You know what's crazy, Mr. Aquaman, is you and I have listened to a lot of people's origin stories together. We had a podcast together that ran, had a pretty good run, listened to a lot of origin stories. But what's wild is I don't think I know your origin story, man. So I think that's like the perfect place to start for this episode is when, how, why were you first introduced to competitive fighting games, kind of your bread and butter? So I was introduced to fighting games at a relatively late age. You know, most, most kids have been getting into games in their early teens, in their early lives in general. Mm. Mine, was, mine was in my late teens. Uh, it was my late teens. Um, I was just grinding Xbox 360 like <laughs> everyone else was, you know, grouping up, partying up, the good old days. Classic. Um, I was introduced in, into competitive sides of things. And you'll see where I'm going with this because it was with similar people. But uh, my first competition was a Gears of War 1 tournament. No way. Hold yes. on, hold Gears on. What yep. character did you play in Gears of War? Who was your character online? I was a Cog. Kim player initially. You were... And I was one of three in and That's the world. what I was about to say. You're one of three. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one was Hoffman. I was, I was, oh I was one of the three Hoffman, gosh. Hoffman players. So like I, I, I used some of the more eclectic characters. Nice. Good word. <laughs> so Gears um, Tournament. How, wait, how did you even like, did you have like a group of friends? Or, Cause it was four stacks. It started, it started with, I got to give them credit. GameStop. GameStop had their launch tournament. It was awesome. Grinded ranked for the past for or, or or for the next couple of years. Did one local one at a mom and pop store, and then Gears of War two dropped, mm. and that's what and 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 that's when like I started taking it a little kind of semi serious at at the time, and it was really fun. But the same group of people, and the same thing. It was it was a GameStop and um launch tournament. Street Fighter four came out, and we were like, you know what, let's just try it, and sucked so much ass <laughs> at the game because the first fighting game, and you know going to a GameStop launch tournament, some kids knew what to do, and I didn't, so I mm. got thrown to the curb. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. Um, but I loved it. It was fun. I've always loved 1v1 when I was in my first gaming, um, you know, kind of era. I loved 1v1s and MMO PvP. Wow. I loved 1v1 tournaments. That was, that was one of the first things I did was I did 1v1 tournaments in Guild Wars 1. <laughs> Long time ago, two thousand two thousand six. Holy um, crap, man! People that are then, probably listening to this were not even born yet. Just letting you know that. <laughs> yeah, I was running one v one tournaments before some some of these kids were born. Um, then I was really big into tennis in my early teens, nice. and so which happens to be a one v one competition yep. with a bracket. I was running uh, brackets in tennis. I started coaching tennis. I started playing in tennis, competing in tennis. Similar story to what you're about to hear in uh, video games, right? Kind of scary. Um, but I, I just loved 1v1 competition. And so well, when I tried my first fighting game, I was like, I like this. I don't have to worry about what they're doing. I just got to worry about me and what I'm doing. And after a couple of years of Street Fighter 4, just grinding ranked and with a couple of buddies, I uh, started to enter more local tournaments based on that, based off that GameStop one. We kind of found out about a couple more events going on, started getting introduced to, to some people. And then Mortal Kombat 9 comes out. GameStop launch tournament. Um, first Mortal Kombat game at a competitive level. Loved it at a casual level. I played Trilogy back in the day. I loved Trilogy. That was mm -hmm. the shit. On a Super Nintendo, you have 400 characters. Everything was broken. Um, 
was awesome. But MK9, it was like, okay, I'm, 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 let's let's take this serious. I got my shit kicked in by a Molina launch tournament MK9. My hatred of Molina is older than my competitive career. It literally started before you realized that you're going to be a, a competitor. So what? Mm-hmm. how old were you at, at this time? You must have been like 18, 19, 20-ish? I was like 20. Jeez. 20, yeah, yeah, 20, 21 at the time. And after a couple of local events, my buddy found uh, testermite.com. And testermite.com was the ultimate, like, one-stop shop for all things competitive Mortal Kombat. You had everyone talking about matchups, characters, frame data, and most importantly, it was just all tournaments. You know, it was everyone posting their locals, their results, you know, where, where to sign up, where to compete. And when we were checking it out, we found a section for regions. We found our region. We found someone that made a post that was like, hey, I'm hosting stuff in this region. Come on by. And that's exactly what we did. We're like, all right, sign us up. Let's, let's go here. And was introduced to a very strong tournament player who was just hosting casuals at his house. Um, and that's kind of where the journey began at a com- competitive level because I got my shit kicked in for years straight <laughs> at this man's house. But he was the one that, that, that pushed me and a couple of buddies to go to our first travel to our first tournament. Wow. And at the time, it, was, it wasn't that long of a travel. Our, my first tournament was still in Virginia. It was just like a three-hour drive, you know, two-and-a-half-hour two drive. Um... And I was introduced to the pro, the pro scene, hundreds of other people that were doing this too, and it blew my mind. Going to my very first tournament, it blew my mind, uh, you know, how much fun I had, how much I enjoyed the actual competitive aspect of it. Everyone else was having a good time. It was just a good time. Yep. That's the only, that's the only, that's the only way they, they, they you can really describe an offline fighting FGC event, is it's nine times out of ten, a good time. A blast. If you have a bad time at a fighting game event, let us know. So we can find the reason why. It's probably because you lost and you weren't happy with losing and then you didn't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or you got beat by Martian Manhunter and then you went to the bar and drank too much. Okay. I've been there. I I'm, get happy, it, guys. I'm happy you brought there. that up. So this is, this is very like niche down FGC talk right now. But we can kind of, I can kind of bring this back to the high level talk of like, you just brought up an Injustice character and you sang you started in Street Fighter 4. You played a little Mortal Kombat 9. Mm-hmm. But in 2013... I believe, a little game called Injustice Gods Among Us came out. It was 2013. And that, I went back on your YouTube channel, you were uploading Injustice 1 combo videos. That was my first stuff, yeah. Nine years ago. So I'm curious, again, you're playing in competition, you're having fun with your friends, you're loving these locals, it's still a hobby. Were you like, I want to do content? Or was that just like, I got sick? Absolutely not. Not even close. (laughs) It wasn't even a thought. I just did it because I, I thought I had found stuff that no one else did mm-hmm. or or i just wanted to show people what i could do and that's it that's all it was for me a lot of people i know look at this differently but i've only looked at it differently in the last couple of years as, as far as content creation and anything beyond that but back in but back in that day it was it was there was no thought of making money off of this there wasn't no one no one else did either we were we all grinded our our own career our own job and did it for fun because there wasn't any money on the line Right. So these tournaments and stuff, there was no prize pool, there was nothing. It was just show up, no. have a good time, and, yep. and pride. Yep. Who, who's the winner, huh? It was, it was maybe a couple hundred dollar prize pool here and there, but even then, they almost turned into a major tournament. But it was $10 entry fee. If you got 60 people to show up, it's a $600 prize pool. Mm. That's, that's what it is. It is what it is, and then it's whatever you travel to get there. Winner usually has their trip paid for. 
I've been there. I traveled, what, like drove like five hours to a North Carolina event, won it, and banked a couple dollars. <laughs> but at the time, it was amazing. It was just an amazing feel because your hobby, you usually pay to, to do your hobby. And right. I always saw it as a hobby back then. And, 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 and still to this day, I, I try to um, because that's, that's where it had its you know, max enjoyment was no pressure of, of trying to pay my, you know, pay your bills off of this, et cetera. So it, it, it was a pretty good time because that there was more of a focus on just enjoying it things mm. and just doing it for the competitive spirit of it. Um, which, which we can segue when we get into a couple of years, which is Mortal Kombat X, but 2013 when Injustice one dropped, yeah. Didn't have any, any aspirations of content creation or even like being a, being a pro. It was again, more just pure pride. It was pure pride. For me, anyway. Mm. I showed up because I wanted to fuck someone up <laughs> with something and someone that they will tell me I can't fuck them up with. I, my entire career was based on someone telling me that something won't work, and I'm going to do everything in my power to hit them with it. Classic fighting if, games, if man. If you tell me that, that, oh, well, you shouldn't use this thing because it's just so bad. I'm going to use that fucking thing on you just out of spite. I don't give a fuck. And that's and so it was this pure pride. I, I I picked Ares, and I wanted to fuck people up. There was there was nothing else to it. It was just raw. <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> that's really what it was v all about. Visceral, visceral fucking aggression in brackets, guys. It was it was. I, no, I don't care about money. I don't care about clout. I care about fucking you up with a character in a fighting game. There's not. There's no. There's no more secret sauce to it. It's. It was it, it was down to that, but no, uh, it was a great time, and it's when, um, on the launch of the game, there was a tournament. It launched on Tuesday. There was a major for the game that weekend. So majors has started like appearing in fighting games yes. at this point. There are yes. majors, okay. Mm -hmm. And it came out on Tuesday. Tournament was starting Friday. I lived in Virginia at the time. The tournament was in Virginia, so I'm like, fuck yeah. Um, showed up, got fourth. You have, a, fourth, you have a top eight finish first, in Injustice at a major. At the, very, at the very first major for Injustice 1, I got fourth. I got double eliminated by Chris G. Um, I outplaced some of the testers for the game. And this was all with a character perceived to be the worst. So it was a really cool start to the game. And I also got top eight in MK9 at that tournament, which I felt was a really good result considering everyone was still you know, red hot um, in mm -hmm. that game. And almost beat... I almost beat the guy that got me into competitive fighting games, which was that guy that posted that, that thread that was hosting locals. I was one hit from taking him out. And so it was almost full circle for me as, like, like as a competitor, being a complete scrub to, okay, competent, which was, which was a really cool feeling because then it felt like all the, all the hours put in were really paying off. Mm. You know, it was like I started actually beating people at a consistent level. And so that's when I really started taking it serious was because um, I got more involved with the community, um, I think Pig of the Hut. Um, it actually wasn't until the very next tournament where it was like, okay, was was that just a fluke? No one knew how to fight Ares. I had two of the most broken things that ever existed in fighting games. I had an overhead projectile. No one knew how to block an overhead projectile at the time. Still, still, it wouldn't be blocked. Um, and I had an unblockable armored launcher. People didn't even know it was that. People would be asking me in the middle of a tournament, hey, is that a low? I'd be like, yeah, man, that's a low. Just block <laughs> You're low. just telling them whatever. I, I was that guy in the first year of Injustice. I didn't, I didn't care. I used lack of knowledge 
But you're posting advantage. combo videos on your YouTube to help the community, but then when you're in tournament, you're telling people the wrong thing so that you can be Yeah. <laughs> that makes whatever, absolutely no sense. Whatever it takes to win. Absolutely. Okay. I agree. What, whatever I agree. it takes. You got to take the W, especially in that time. But, but now, yeah. Mike... Justice One was a, was a really good time because that, believe it or not, that's the game that really that really took me in the direction that I've, that I've ended up in. Yeah, and I, I understood that because I, my whole life it was like, dude, Aquaman was Mortal Kombat, but it was actually in Justice 1 that mm -hmm. kickstarted a lot. Of, well, technically it was Gears of War, but That's it was Justice favorite. 1 that really yeah. did it. You said it's your favorite and game? Favorite, favorite fighting game of all time? My favorite era of our community ah. was in Justice 1. I think, I think that those were like the glorious days that, that, that we have had. It was the peak, you know, it was the peak level of regional pride and offline events. It was, it was glorious. So at this time, you said that there's majors popping up and stuff like that, and now competitive fighting games are starting to become more of like a thing. Majors means prize pools, means sponsors. Were you yep. pushing to like be a sponsored competitive player, or were you just still like the whole time it's like, I just want to play and I want to beat people and put in the work? Mine's always been just playing and putting in the work. Mm -hmm. I, never, I never wanted to be a pro player. Um, I never wanted to be a commentator. I, um, the only thing that I really wanted and aspired to be was a pretty... You know, I, I wanted to be a, a good organizer because one thing that I loved more than anything was was the actual event itself, right? Mm -hmm. That bringing everyone together, everyone's just enjoying it. And I, I loved creating those opportunities. I I'd, I'd actually been um, around that time was when I first started to dabble in all the stuff on the back end because when I would travel to these tournaments and, you know, they popped up all the time, there was a lot of biggie events, especially, you know, those were those were the big ones. Um, CEO, of course, and then Combo Breaker Evo, and then a bunch of bunch of those other smaller events that were going on, and, and medium sized events to defend the North. There was a bunch ton more. You know, at the sorry, my cat's trying to open up the door <laughs> behind me, and he's and he and he's getting really close. He's getting really close, and I'm scared. I'm scared for the day he actually does it. Flashy, I'm petrified. He's gonna do. It. Guys, he's gonna grow thumbs, and he'll do it. My cat can almost open doors, and once once they do that, we're screwed. Flashy as a, as over. a human race, yeah, we're we done. Are we lost. <laughs> But I would go to all these events um, and kind of see how things operated. And it, Mortal Kombat and NRS games were always streamed on Combat Network at the time. Shouts to Shock and Crew at Combat Network. We always had a stream. It was always him. There wasn't, a, there wasn't commentary teams. No one's chosen for commentary during this time. He just sets up a stream and goes. There's, there's, there's two headsets usually or two microphones. People can show up and hop on if they want, but it, is, it was the wild, wild west. Mm -hmm. If you, you guys can go back, Combat Network still streams reruns. You'll just tune in. It'll be like a major tournament, top 96 to top 32. And no one's on the mic, but there's a match <laughs> happening. It's just, it's just good old grassroots happening. But, all, man. So Love it. I don't know how or why, but I, I ended up on the mic a couple of times at those Combat Network events. I was just standing by and like, yo, hop on the mic. I fuck it. And I was terrible. It was the worst thing that, that you'll ever hear. Mm -hmm. um, just gosh awful grassroots commentary. Just being ignorant, not even talking about what's happening at the time. <laughs> and but I got a really good feel for how events operated and stuff like that. And I always thought to myself, if I did it, this is how I would do it, or this is how I'd want to do it. Um, and so I was kind of stuck with that with that feeling and started at a really small local level with a buddy of mine, the same buddy I got into fighting games with. Um, we started local tournaments and at a, at sports bars, at mom and pops game stores, at, you know, all kinds of places holding local events. Um, and that's where, that's where that kind of thing started. But believe it or not, that was one of the only things that I really aspired to do or be 
when it came to uh, competition, everything other than that, it was really all pure fun, pure. Um, I saw it as a hobby. I was working at Lowe's at the time. That's what I was going to ask. How are, you, how are you paying for the gas to get to these places? Worked, what were you doing? I worked at Lowe's. I was just a Lowe's customer associate. Wow, man. And, and, and doing all this. That's, that's what I was for about five years, six years in a row. Jeez. Yep. And then what? And I, and, and I, I loved it. I was, I, I was doing well outside of the game. I was doing well in the game. It was, a, it was good. And then so when, I mean, I guess this kind of, this fast forwards our timeline here a little bit, but when were you like, all right, I'm quitting this job and this is what I'm doing. What, what was like the moments leading up to that point, right? Were you like starting to make money on streaming? Were you starting to make money doing your commentary thing? When were you looking at your job and like, I don't need to do this anymore? So for me, there, there, there hadn't been a single point up until this where I thought that I could make money or, or that I could make money. I had only spent money. Right. Um, the first... The first dollar I ever made was probably, give me a second, I'm doing math. I don't know, four or five years ago. So I went, I went about six years without making a dollar really? doing this. That, so, it was that, like, I guess recently. Mm-hmm. Four or five years, that's not that long. I feel like you've been doing this yeah. for like 30 years. Four or five years is when yeah. you made your I did, first dollar, I did, like, actually. Before I, yeah, before I, yeah. And wh- where did that come from? Is that getting paid for uh, a commentary gig? Really, it was, um, well, I made a couple bucks competing, but it was like, you know, $30 here, $20 yeah, yeah, there yeah. At, at locals. Um, I would say that my first real money made off of this would be, I, I, I ran a really big offline tournament, and the second year that I ran it, um, they, I ran them both at a really big loss. Both me and my partners were out a lot of money doing them, but we just did it because we wanted to. Yep. Uh, but after I did my second one, I got a phone call from uh, StreamMe and about wanting to do some Mortal Kombat tournaments. And so we had some conversations literally the next day. I'd wrapped up everything from that, from that offline. It was, it was awesome. Had, a, had an NRS sponsorship. The NRS put a $2,000 prize pool in. It was really Jeez. cool. Um, and then after talking to them, we, we did Combat Cup. And Combat Cup was the first time I made money off of off of this so and it took a were you just paid to put on that event to produce it or were you paid yes i was paid, paid so initially they wanted me to just help help put it together right then it turned into it would save money if i also produced it and then mm-hmm. it turned into it would save even more money if i produced it and commentated it <laughs> and so i kind of did everything for it in in season one, other than some of the, so some of the admining and the co-commentary, the rest was on me on a laptop, and I mean a laptop from from my house. It was a laptop, one one little light, a fucking Logitech C920. That's what it was. It was a laptop, a webcam, one light. That's that was it. That stresses and, me out. And but that 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 was the first time I ever made any like anything doing any of this, mm. and it went really well. For as ghetto as it was, and as how many issues, tech, tech issues we had. <laughs> I could only imagine on a laptop. Fucking, people absolutely loved it because mm-hmm. it, was, it was just raw, organic grassroots, but in like an online setting that didn't cost anyone any money that they could just enjoy, you know, like once or twice a week. And that, that really kickstarted everything else because, because after that, I had made that. I was doing really well, um, still working at Lowe's, doing that on the side. I didn't have a life. 
because I was just doing kind of like burning both ends of the candle. Right. Uh, but it was great because I loved it. And then that, that turned into them offering me a full-time position to pretty much do that just with not just Mortal Kombat, but kind of everything for uh, the platform that was streaming. No longer a platform, but it was really dope nonetheless. And you were running like random games, right? Like Fortnite and PUBG and stuff like that for them? This is that yeah, time? Mm-hmm. PUBG, Fortnite, a bunch of other shooters, uh, Dead by Daylight. We did upwards of like seven fighting games. We did Brawlhalla, Tekken, Street Fighter, Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, of course, Mortal Kombat Injustice. Uh, we also did pretty much every other Battle Royale that's, that's hit the market. Uh, you know, Minecraft crazy shit that's so wild man I, I like people probably only think that you've only ever done like mortal kombat justice you hit the you hit the spectrum of video games man when it comes to hosting not a lot of people know that i one of my favorite feathers in the cap that almost no one knows about me is that i i planned organized helped execute and commentated the only official pro tour for the game lawbreakers I couldn't tell you I know what that game is, but you're the only one to it do it, was, and I respect it. <laughs> it was it was a five v five shooter that was by the um that was by the studio that Cliffy B started after Gears of War. Really? It was it was it was his baby after Gears of War. Wait, so did you game. have any? Hold on, this is like kind of full circle situation here. Mm -hmm. Started out playing Gears of War, and the creator of that was this guy Cliff. Yep. Did you get to speak to him when doing this Lawbreakers tournament? I got to speak to everyone on the dev team except for him. They invited us out <laughs> to their studio to meet them, to meet Cliffy B, to hang out with them. On the weekend it was scheduled, the Injustice Pro Tour Finals was happening, the World Finals in Hollywood. And I, and I got the invite at the time. Ooh. So I went there instead, and I didn't get to meet Cliffy B. But well, you know what? You could have. My team did. You but I could have. But I could have. I could have. That's absolutely insane, man. And I actually, but yeah, wanna... there are there was there's a lot of stuff outside of MK and like injustice that people have no idea that I've I've been around a little bit. And I think that's what makes you so good at what you do is because you have all this experience, not just in one quote unquote realm. You know what I'm saying? Like you've done shooters, you've done five v fives, you've done four v fours, you've done one v ones, like all this different stuff. And I think that kind of just makes you the Swiss Army knife of competitive organizing it's a know? really good thing to be a swiss rv knife it is that we've learned in that we've space, definitely learned no, that no matter what aspect of the space that you find yourself mm -hmm. in having multiple weapons is never a bad i mean really this is generally with anything <laughs> always having multiple weapons on you at any time is a good thing absolutely man i 100 agree i want to ask you a question now because mortal kombat has been so near and dear to your heart and you mentioned before that and injustice both made by the same creators netherrealm studios you mentioned that uh, they actually provided to the pop bonus for the event you put on. Was it kind of, I don't even know what the right word is, but like, was it weird to you to be working directly with the company of the game that you loved and you just played because you loved it? Or were you kind of just like, yeah, whatever? No, at the time I was definitely kind of like starstruck. I was like, oh That's my goodness. That's the word. That's yeah. the word. For sure. For sure. Um, it was, it was, it was really nice because, you know, I've always... I started, and this will also be kind of full circle, um, and it's one of the reasons why I do what I do, um, that I always forget to talk about. I always forget to talk about this flashy, but one thing that irritated me throughout years of doing what I did and traveling to these events was the fact that our games, Mortal Kombat and Injustice, were always almost side events. They were always in a, in, in, in a, in a side room. They were in a corner, kicked and shoved. And beaten with sticks or something. No, not really. But 
you know, we were always early on stream. We were always, you know, top eight was in the morning. And I started running tournaments based on my own play style. It was purely almost out of spite where I wanted to, I, I ran my first offline major, which was the Commonwealth, which was really highly, highly um, received. I did that out of spite. It cost me way too much money to do, but I did it out of spite because I gave Mortal Kombat top eight at eight o'clock at night. And then I made Mortal Kombat the main game. I was, I, I was, I, I was the one to do that. I, I was like, I'm making NRS the focus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I've always done what I've done because I've always felt like we, we never got the focus. I, I love it, man. It's like uh, David and Goliath, you know, David's standing up to Goliath. I love that, man. Cause yeah, it's always the street fighters, always the Tekkens. Yep. They're getting the big, they're getting the big stages and uh, yeah, MK. I mean, even recently, I know MK had a pretty big tournament, but it wasn't on Sunday. The top eight was not on Sunday. 10 a.m. on Saturday. It was not Evo. on Sunday. <laughs> Evo, that was 10 a.m. Yeah. It wasn't on Saturday. Sunday. I'll tell you that, that much. That is, you, you have longer than half of the event where you're doing nothing because the tournament's already, oh, your already tournament's done. already over, <laughs> right? Done. But that being said, I am really happy because uh, Evo MK was hype as shit for 10 a.m. Awesome. And, and we got everyone looking, looking at us. It was absolutely so it was awesome. Cool. Yeah, and uh, you absolutely crushed it. You were on that top eight commentary and... You killed it, man. You're an absolute natural. I hold on. This wasn't even. I have like my list of questions and stuff like that. It wasn't even on mm-hmm. here. It just popped up. I think I need to know because everybody sees Mr. Aquaman. You look a little different today because the mustache is growing back. I believe you did like a donation goal to try to see if you could shave your mustache. And of course, the community reached out over in like two hours, and you shaved your mustache. It was twenty minutes. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they hit the goal in twenty minutes for you to shave the stash. So you look a little different, but. Where does this look come from and stem from? I know I listened to an interview of yours. That's an interesting question. I listened to an interview of yours and you said that you've kind of been like molding it over time and perfecting it. And I think you've really locked it in now. But when did it start and how did you go about like, you know what? Mustache, sunglasses, looking sharp with a tie and button down. When, when was that seed planted and when did that begin? <laughs> really, it began, it began with a, with the mustache and it began with... Part of the story that I told earlier, it was Pig of the Hut. Okay. It was the second Injustice tournament, the second Injustice 1 tournament, and there was a really, really, really big player named CD Jr. at the time. Um, won multiple majors in MK9, coming into Injustice 1. Obviously, he's one of the favorites. I beat him. In, at this second major, I eliminated him. I, th- I think I double eliminated him from the tournament. I don't 100% remember, but I remember eliminating him and him being really, really angry. Um, I even remember the move that did it. That's, what, that's what's great. I remember the move that, that, that pissed him off. But anyways, I digress. Um, I won that, and then Pick of the Hut goes, who's this mustached motherfucker that just beat CD Jr.? There's a threat on Testermite pinned at the top. Wow. Number one, Tom Selleck is here. And it was a, it was, he, he was like, Tom Selleck upsets uh cd jr but it it had my name in it and so i immediately hopped on you know that and i i always i always try to tell people that sometimes getting memed on can be the greatest weapon you can wield in this community absolutely people people memed on me for 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 having a mustache i have turned that into this you owned it. That's, now, that's why. Because you owned yeah, it. I, com- uh, I completely owned it. I was like, yeah, man. I, I, I look like a fucking, you know, everyone's like this fucking cop looking motherfucker. And then I put on some aviators and looked, I looked like a cop. 
Now, I also really enjoyed streaming with with aviators on because the lights are really bright. Um, and little did I know later on, it would it would be a secret weapon on commentary too that I mm -hmm. get to do stuff on commentary not that other commentators cannot do because they would give it away with their eyes. Yep. I think I've said it to you in, uh, when we recorded our podcast. It's, we had it's unfair. I told you, I was like, dude, I wish when I started this, I made my thing wearing sunglasses. That is so clutch. You could literally yep. be, you could be looking could be at reading, your notes. You could, could be looking be at your questions. Right there. Yeah. And I would have, None I think you're looking right at me. Have been off the top of my head. You're, reading, you're reading the whole fucking time. <laughs> like me yep. to look at my questions. They're over here. It's so blatantly obvious. <laughs> so the sunglass thing I, is amazing. <laughs> real quick. Real quick. I'll give, I'll give you guys an example. Final combat. One of the last big, big offlines that happened, it was the end of the world tour for MK11. We had to read some promos, which I think were going to be on television, and they were the promos that would be cutting to a break or coming back from a commercial break. And me and Ultra David had to record them. They're really long, and there's like seven of them. And we had like four, like four seconds. There was, it was, you weren't going to memorize them. So they were sitting right here, and poor Ultra David has to look over at me as, as I look right into the camera oh, and read every man. single one of them, line for line, word for word, perfectly. And then it's his turn, and he has to look down every oh. couple seconds, and he goes, I fucking hate you, man. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a good tactic. I think to any aspiring person in this space, start with sunglasses, man. It is unbeatable. It's, it's unbeatable. So to take, to take your whole look and everything a step further, mustache, sunglasses, looking sharp, got that down. Where did yeah. the name Mr. Aquaman come from? And how have you not been sued by DC? And, all, and you even, I you've worked know. with Warner I, Brothers. I've worked for Warner Brothers, and I don't DC. know how I've gotten away with it. And they've how talked I, to you like, hey, I Mr. Aquaman. Know, I want to know who at Warner Brothers was like, this guy's named after one of our properties. How have you got away with that and not gotten anything for years, for years, ever since you started? First of all, where did Mr. Aquaman come from? And then how have so, you avoided trademark lawsuits in this time? It's a, it's a short but simple story. Um, I grew up um, in the middle of nowhere on a lake in the woods. And I loved, I loved being in the water. I loved, I loved uh, pretty much every day. Um, I, I grew up without internet. I grew up without much entertainment. So I was just always outside. I was always outside in the water. I was swimming in the lake every single day. It's also obsessed with water. And so when I got into, you know, video games, when I got into comics, when I got into, you know, all the other cool shit in life. Yep. Um, Aquaman was my favorite. I was like, fuck yeah. Dude's in the water all the time. You know what I mean? It was so, it just kind of made sense. And uh, I was always a really big fan of, of Aquaman. And Xbox 360 days, we decided to, I had the coolest fucking gamer tag, I thought at the time. Okay. Be pre Mr. Aquaman, this was my name before Mr. Aquaman. Are you, are you guys ready for this? I'm not ready for this. Dude. It was Aquaman Tooth. Now, if you don't know where the word man tooth comes from, watch the movie Anchorman. Okay, that's fair. Wes, Wes Mantooth is Vince, Vince Vaughn's character. And so I had just seen Anchorman at the time, and I, I loved Aquaman, and I put, I put them together. So I saw Aquaman <laughs> Tooth on, on Xbox 360. It was fucking awesome. Cool, dope name. The, the name I wish I stuck with 12 years later. How did you, so when did the mister come into play? So, when did you have to switch it? The group decided to start a clan. How many of you guys were we misters? Had, we were Mr. Superheroes. So we, so we had Mr. Green Lantern. We had Mr. Deadpool. We had Mr. Aquaman. 
You got the best yeah. one, just to say. You got the the one that flows the best, I think. And maybe it's just from years it of saying the name, but it flows yeah, very nicely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, so that's how that's how the name originated. And then it was short, shortly after that, at that first MK9 tournament, mm -hmm. the guy the guy's like, "What's your gate? What's your uh, tag?" I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And he goes, "Your your gamer tag." And I'm like, oh, "Fuck, it's it's Mr. Aquaman on Xbox." And he goes, "That's what I'm putting down." Wow. And that's and that's what I've been stuck with years. for the past. Look at the, look look how stupid that look, look how stupid that name is. <laughs> I think it's great, man. I, you know what's wild? I, if I say the name Aquaman, I don't think of the superhero. I don't think of the orange and the green tights or the or whatever he's got, the gold, whatever staff thing. I think of you, which is crazy. You've transcended the comic book character in my in my head, which is so when wild. When two things, I want you to think of me: Aquaman and Kraken Rum, dude. I'm, you know what? I'm going to send this to them. Kraken Rum, I don't Do know it. what you guys are doing. This man is the reason that the entirety of the fighting game community knows about your product. And people have purchased your product because of this man. I'm going to send that to them. I got you covered. This, is, this has gotten ridiculous. You, no problem. I it got has. You. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm out here just free, adver free advertising. It's literally been free ads for years for, with their product. But I mean, literally, and that's another thing. If I'm walking down the aisles of a liquor store and I see Kraken Rum... I think of you every single time. Kraken, what are you guys doing, man? And if you want to sponsor this show as well, we can have that talk. But you tell, wait, they've only ever given you a like or like a, a retweet. A like on Twitter. A like on Twitter. Not, oh, not a retweet. Man. You only got not a like. Not a retweet. Not a response. A like. All right, we're going to have to, we're going to get that fixed. But anyway, away from that, I want to kind of segue. We talked a lot about your personal career, Mr. Aquaman as a whole. But what's really fascinating to me is you have actually started an LLC. And that yes. LLC is called the Coliseum. It's something that I work very closely on, so I know quite a bit about it. And for those of you guys that don't know, it is a, I guess you would call it a production company. How, what did a, you, yeah. what, with your taxes and stuff like that, what did you call the Coliseum? Like what, what was your bracket that you put it into for a business? Well, according to the government, they don't know a single thing. <laughs> That's a good start to have an LLC. Um... And this is actually, this is really good talking points in general, because I know for a fact that almost no one doing this knows how to do their taxes. It's tough. <laughs> that, that, that's why uh, one of the reasons one I started this the, was because mm -hmm. when I started my LLC, dude, I was just like, and that's even one of my questions. What are some of the challenges that you face starting this LLC is because there is so, no, there's yeah. no answers to doing mm -hmm. this, especially if you're in this content space. After starting an LLC and all of that, it was actually, it was, it, how do I put this? I had already knew how to do everything. Where I learned to do everything was when I tried to, and, and, and did be just a full-time streamer and commentator mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Yep. Um, it's learning how to do your taxes as a self-employed individual. Yep. Now, I still file taxes as an individual even everything that's that goes through coliseum i still go through me just because it's easier mm. um it's easier and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you guys watching from home if the past three four years the, i've paid the government zero dollars because there's a lot of ways as as self-employed to save a lot on what if or all of what the government is trying to get you to to pay for essentially you know right. the government's always like you you made this much this is how much we want. And then what self-employed gives you the power to do is tell the government, no, well, I spent all this. 
which is going to offset that. Mm -hmm. And if you're... So I will say that if you are trying to do this and aspire to do this, and if you are making income off of it, you can do amazing things to try to save yourself money at the end of the year with your taxes. And it's not as difficult as you think. I did it one time. Once you realize everything that you can deduct, um, there's programs that make it easier, um, like Intuit Self-Employed, one of the greatest tools I've ever used. Takes every single purchase you made and you can say, was this, a was this, was this an expense that went towards my self-employment? In my case, if it's anything Coliseum or streaming related, which is almost everything I do. Um, can go towards that. And so that, that helps out a lot. Always being able to track that throughout the year, track your big purchases or especially purchases that go towards like, hey, for this, for this example, everything Flashy's using for this show, he, he can deduct at the end of the year. I'm, he, he can. Yep. The, the camera that he's using. The graphics, um, everything, the yep, graphic designer, yep, everything. Yep, bam. Every, every single thing, the, the fact that he's using the space that he's sitting in for it mm -hmm. is going to save him a lot of money. He can put down there that he worked in this space X amount of feet means X amount of dollars off at the end of the year. You know, food, if he, if he gets some lunch, mark that down as you spent that money towards this thing that you're trying to work on on your own. And that is a really big key to success too, I feel like, because a lot of people don't know how to do that. And they just um, get the money, pay the taxes on it. And then when year end comes, they go, fuck! Or they don't pay the taxes someone. on it and then they get screwed 10 years down the and line they, because they, they didn't do fucked. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And because not a lot of people know that if generally on paper, if, if someone pays you $600 or more, the government's going to come at you at the end of the year and go, I want a piece of that. Mm -hmm. It's $600, guys. If you, if, you make, if you make $599 from a tournament, you're good. Government's not going to fuck with you. That's just cash money in the pocket. But, if, but once it's above $600, the government's like, whoa! Hold on a Everybody second. Everybody hold on a second here. I we want, want this. Wait, 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 you just put under that, right? And you just track all the expenses that are for that. And it's not as complex as you think. You know, a couple of YouTube videos, yep. just like anything in this space, couple anything YouTube in this vids. space, you're, you're a couple of YouTube videos away from Absolutely. being able to do. Absolutely. And, I, and, you know, it's not like the sexiest thing to talk about in a podcast, right? But it's important, man. I mean, when I first started yeah. a couple of years ago, dude, taxes weren't even on my... I didn't even, like, mm -hmm. think that I had to pay tax on anything. Like, when I first started, I was like, dude, what... What is a tax? I don't care about that. But uh, it's real, man. That's some. That's a real part about this, and that's what the show is all about. You know, the everything that you need to learn and everything that you need to sacrifice and start to understand in order to do this. And my question is like, when you went to start the LLC, because to be honest, I from what I'm seeing from where I'm at, I don't think a lot of people in the fighting game space are understanding to LLC themselves or the company or their production or anything like that. Where was the seed planted for you to be like, I want to start an LLC. I want to start a business, and I'm going to start monetizing this like officially it was it, it was always kind of a goal of primarily especially at the time it was just uh me and qr um who made these graphics I, by the way yeah shout outs Our i always circle. wanted to continue to do because because when when we i worked at streamy we were doing a lot of tournament series 
And that company went under after a couple of years. Just went under. I went into full-time streaming and commentary at the time. And then COVID it, son of a bitch. And then, but during those couple of years, I just lost my train of thought, Flash. What the fuck were we talking about? <laughs> The where fuck was, I just where was the seed planted to start your LLC? Because there's not a lot of people doing it, right? So where were you Thank like, you. I'm going to start a business? You said that the business you were working for went under, which is honestly a scary thing if you're like, I want to do what they're doing, but they just went under. So even more so, like, how were you like, yeah. I'm going to do this. I don't want to make it a successful business. So we had the tournaments that we were doing at StreamMe. StreamMe as a, as a company went under. Yes. And I, and I became a full-time streamer. And one thing I always wanted to do was continue that. Yeah. And, and do a tournament series. And one of the things right before the company went under that I started seeing, and I'm really good friends with uh, NYC Furby, also known as Arturo, or Art, um, who's one of the first to ever do it when it com comes to productions in the fighting game scene. Um, worked on Team Spooky when it first started. Um, still does amazing things in the community. Was one of the first big people to push Macharino in crowdfunding. And I saw what, what he did with it. He was raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And I saw the support for the tournaments that we were doing at streaming. And I'm like, and I was telling him, I'm like, if, because this company was pumping out like $10,000 prize pools every, every series. And it's like, okay, if we want to save that money, let's just do it, crowdfund the prize pool, and I guarantee you it'll do well. And then uh, uh, everyone was like, nah, nah, it's not going to do well. So out of spite, Flashy, I did the Coliseum. There we go. Out, out of pure spite, yep. I did the Coliseum season one, crowdfunded it, and it was like $8,000 raised. So I actually have a, just since we're on that topic, one of my questions here is you're a big supporter of crowdfunding. You firmly believe in crowdfunding for the players. My question to you, Mr. Aquaman, since you started hosting events, how much estimated have you raised for player prize pools in fighting games? Since I started? Wherever you want to begin the timeline. How much have you raised your crowdfunded prize pools for these players over your time? I'll give you a second Can to do I some math. Just crowdfunding? You know what? 40, Everything. How much have you raised for the players? Crowdfunding, forty to 50000 With sponsors, upwards of 70000 probably. There you have it. And there you have it. And I think you're starting to find a rhythm in the Coliseum of how to raise money for the players and push towards that 100,000 goal and also how yeah. to bring some money into the Coliseum as well. And I think that's, that's really critical because I think a lot of people look at hosting tournaments and stuff, again, as either just a hobby or a money sink. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, it's awesome to see that you've kind of found a way to get money for the players and to bring in financial success into your company, which is... Again, yeah, super important. And it 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 took a lot of it took a lot. Yeah, you know absolutely. I knew I I just knew that it that it was gonna be a successful route. Um, especially given COVID. And I think, and I'm one of the biggest proprietors of online tournaments, I advocate that they're incredibly healthy for our community as as long as they're going side by side with offline events, right? It keeps everyone interested. I think Evo is a perfect example of that. We had plenty of hype going into Evo because we had plenty of storylines from online going into offline. Yep. Um, so I think it's, it, it's just been great. The format is incredible. 
Um, that's also an, another another card up of up, up, up our sleeves at the Coliseum is that our, our format's incredibly fun. Everyone's been liking it. Um, it isn't super long days or hard days, you know, on the mic. Back when I was doing Combat Cup and War of the Gods, it was, you know, six-hour commentary straight. Three to four, you know, like upwards of tw- two to three times a week. And people think and that commentary get, is just talking, man. Yeah. That shit is... I'm, I'm starting to die after two hours. I used to be able to do six hours, no problem. And after how many years of it, it's, it's, it's just getting lower and lower and lower as I go. You're just getting older and more worn out, man. <laughs> but, but, but even then, most commentators don't do more than two hours. They just don't. Yep. And so to, to do six-hour shows for like five years straight... That'll take a toll, man. That'll take it a gets, toll. It got wild. So, uh, you know, p- part of the advice is also don't get burned out. Do, do take breaks. Breaks are the best. They are. They're definitely critical. Unfortunately for me, man, I, if I try to take a break, the whole time on that break, I'm just thinking about the next video that I'm uploading or whatever. Hey, like, that's what but, I got to work on. But. but sometimes that break will, will you know, get you some more ideas. Yes, or, definitely. you know... I definitely find myself in that situation too because when you're when you're obsessed with something and you're passionate about something, it, it never does relieve your mind. It, turns, it never turns off. And like, I've been working twenty four hour look, days for four years. Always look for inspiration too, everywhere. Yep. I I could be I, I I'm off the grid a lot, but I'll be I'll be somewhere in the middle of nowhere doing something that would have nothing to do with Mortal Kombat or tournaments, and then just get an inspiration of an idea for something to incorporate into mm-hmm. a show, into into a something. Um, hell, the Coliseum team watches sports just to look at what they're doing. From we, we don't watch the sport. We don't <laughs> watch any at of the their people. graphics, how they're transitioning. All we're doing what is looking doing. at graphics. <laughs> we're looking at transitions. We're looking. We're we're trying to put ourselves into the eyes uh, and minds of of the production crew. So the camera guy's here. What's that camera guy saying to this guy to get a certain thing to fire off to wow. capture a certain thing right? And so it's just you know, passions. Passions powerful, man. Yeah, and a lot of the Coliseum meetings, I've definitely always heard you guys say, yeah, well, when ESPN does this or that, and I'm like, wait, what are you guys talking about here? That's right. But it worked, and then we incorporate it, and it looks freaking beautiful in the tournament. Market research, like my friend. That's market it. research. Market research is what, learn your taxes and do market research. Huh? That's, that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the pinnacle of, of today's episode. The two sexiest things that we could think of is market research and learn how to do your taxes. Like, that's right. That's really what it comes down to. But geez, man, what a, I can what give, a wild ride. I can, I can give a billion things of advice, but those are some ones that I don't think I've ever given before flashy. Taxes are a really big thing. Um, stay hydrated. The classic one. You gotta. Drink, drink water. <laughs> guys look at this no calories delicious good old h2o man is that an evo cup did you get that at evo this year sure did oh very nice two evos credit everyone got one of these and they had endless water machines everywhere dude that see that's greatest, a little thing that's a little thing, thing ever i've the been to like tournaments in, tournament yep in my life i've been to tournaments and just random events and stuff like that and dude i'm so parched and you're on your feet all day and stuff and oh. there's no water anywhere everyone that's, that's forgets one of the to drink Yep. Now, commentators, players, streamers, whatever you're doing, I know I can be locked in this chair for tw- 10 hours straight in yes. a day. Always remember to have water on you. Stay hydrated. And honestly, it's, it's one of the keys to my success <laughs> is, is water. There you, it's that simple, guys. It's that, it's you that, want to be successful look at it. Aquaman? Water. Look at it. Water. It's, and you know what? We're full circle it's, again. It's, man started it's his flo- life. It's flowing everywhere. Playing in the water, and now water is the key to his success, man. It's 
It's I'm wet right circle. now, if I can be honest with you. <laughs> At this point, Aquaman, that was, uh, that was a trip down memory lane. That was an unbelievable journey. I think that uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good tidbits of information here. And I learned so okay. much. I've been working with you. Dude, what's crazy is we've been working together for like almost two years, which is what's wild. I think it might be more than two years. I'd have to go back and... Yeah. You know what? Let me, get the final, let me get the final number right now because I still remember the very first time I uploaded and worked with you on YouTube. And I just need to find that video. It was the Kotal Khan Gauntlet. When you ran the Kotal Khan Gauntlet series. Was that series. when you first came that on? That was the very first time. So it was called Kotal Gauntlet. That was, okay, here we go. Day one, February 7th, 2021. So about a year and a half we've been working together. February 7th, a 2021. Year Unbelievable, man. It has, been a, uh, it has been a wild ride. I know we got some more stuff cooking. It's been absolutely awesome working with you. And just to go off on all this, the way this relationship started between me and you working together was a DM on Twitter. Yep. I DM'd Aquaman on Twitter, and I was from, like... From this man saying, I love YouTube. Can I help with YouTube? And then I sat there going, I hate YouTube. I'd love help with YouTube. You do it. Bro, because I was looking at it, but, and go on. Please. I was going to say, you did something that a couple other people have done that work with us all the time. You know, when I see passion in someone else, that's, that's, that's the first thing that gets my attention. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, that's where it all started. Because I remember I was watching your tournaments on Twitch because I was watching. It didn't matter what, where, when. If it was a Mortal Kombat 11 tournament, I was watching it. And you had been running a couple. You are doing your thing. And I was like, dude, when the tournament's done... These don't go anywhere. You weren't doing anything with them. I was like, bro, let me just slide in here. Let me help you out with the YouTube thing. But that's yep. really what I think to kind of wrap this up, right? We had uh, do your taxes, market research, drink water. I think the final one is find how you can be of use to somebody that you want to work with. Don't just be like, hey, can I work with you? Provide something, right? Yeah. And for me, when I came to you with this, I was like, I can take care of the YouTube situation. I was providing a solution. And that is how you will more than likely get an opportunity to work with someone that you want to work with. And I mean, I think at that point, Aquaman, we've given, uh, we've given too much free information here, honestly. I think, yeah. I think I that's... I have a couple more, though, real quick on the way yeah, out. Let's go. I got a couple. Yeah, yeah. Give it to him. I'll more. put another I'd... ad right here so, that this, so it's not go. totally free. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that's gotten me farther than anything has been letting my work do, do the talking. I do not do any, almost any of the talking when it comes to trying to get opportunities. I've never, besides this year, and even then I didn't have an updated commentary reel, I have almost never, ever applied for commentary. Ever. I've almost never, ever reached out to anyone for anything. Ever. All I've ever done is my thing, and I've let my thing do everything for me. That's work it. work is your resume. That... That has gotten me farther resume. than anything else in, in, in my career, in my life. I, I work, and I let that work talk for me. That, that philosophy has gotten me really far. And, and, and I, I wanted people to know that because I feel like that's pretty lost. I, I got no, that's literally the most beautiful sentiment to send us off here, Ackerman. I love it. And yeah, it's uh, being proud of your work and understanding that uh, it's some good-ass shit.
really what it comes down to. Be proud of your work and understand that you're fucking crushing it. But Aquaman, I cannot wait to see what you got cooking up in the future. I can't thank you enough for being on the show, taking an hour out of your day to sit down and chat with me. It was absolutely awesome. Your Twitter has been right below you the whole time. If they're watching this show, they should probably know who you are. They don't know who you are. Mr. Aquaman, you got to follow this guy. Keep, keep up to date with what he's got going on. It's always super awesome. Dude, Google that's me. it. If, we, if somebody Googles you, will a picture of you come up or will a picture of the DC character come up? You'll probably get Jason Momoa, but hey, either way, you're, <laughs> you're going to get a good-looking dude. Well, wow. 